This afternoon I proclaim to you the word of God as we confess that in Lord's Day 11, Lord's Day 11 of the Heidelberg Catechism. And we'll read in connection with that also Article 22 of the Belgic Confession. We begin with Lord's Day 11. So we had Lord's Days 9 and 10 about God the Father and our creation. Lord's Day 11 begins this section about God the Son and our redemption. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, Savior? Because he saves us from all our sins and because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. Do those who seek their salvation or well-being in saints in themselves or anywhere else also believe in the only Savior Jesus? No. Though they boast of him in words, they in fact deny the only Savior Jesus. For one of two things must be true. Either Jesus is not a complete Savior or those who by true faith accept this Savior must find in him all that is necessary for their salvation. So far, Lord's Day 11, we'll also read Article 22 of the Belgic Confession. Article 22, and that's on page 509 of the Book of Praise. And there we confess our justification through faith in Christ... We believe that in order that we may obtain the true knowledge of this great mystery, the Holy Spirit kindles in our hearts a true faith. This faith embraces Jesus Christ with all his merits, makes him our own, and does not seek anything besides him. For it must necessarily follow either that all we need for our salvation is not in Jesus Christ or... If it is all in him, that one who has Jesus Christ through faith has complete salvation. It is therefore a terrible blasphemy to assert that Christ is not sufficient, but that something else is needed besides him. For the conclusion would would then be that Christ is only half a savior. Therefore, we rightly say with Paul that we are justified by faith apart from observing the law. Meanwhile, strictly speaking, we do not mean that faith as such justifies us, for faith is only the instrument by which we embrace Christ our righteousness. He imputes to us all his merits and as many holy works as he has done for us and in our place. Therefore, Jesus Christ is our righteousness, and faith is the instrument that keeps us with him in the communion of all his benefits When those benefits have become ours, they are more than sufficient to acquit us of our sins. So far, our confessions. Brothers and sisters in the Lord and boys and girls belonging to the Lord. The theme for the sermon this afternoon is simply Jesus saves us. That's the wonderful message that's encapsulated in the name that he received from God, his Father, Jesus. Call him Jesus. 
which means savior. Savior from all our sins. But what do we really concretely mean when we confess that name Jesus now? Imagine that uh, you left this uh, um, worship service and you went home and you were sitting there in your favorite chair at home thinking about the worship services today maybe and suddenly you sense somebody standing beside you and that person put his hand on your shoulder and says, don't be afraid, I am Jesus, your savior. What can I do for you? What do you want me to save you from? What burden do you want me to take away from you? What do you want me to get rid of for you? I'm just imagining this, of course, but with the goal to make the gospel we confess here in Lord's Day 11 uh, more real to us as we sit here this afternoon. See, that, that wonderful message, that beautiful message that Jesus saves us from all our sins and that we find in him all that is necessary for our salvation, that message can become pretty vague for us, kind of foggy, generalized. What does it really mean to confess that he saves us from all our sins? That gospel can become so vague to us that we simply think it means that as long as we call ourselves followers of Jesus here, then in the end, things will turn out all right for us. But what do we really mean when we confess Jesus saves us from all our sins? What do we want Jesus to really save us from? And what do we not want to be delivered from? Because that's the other side of the coin. That's included in what we confess in Lord's Day 11. Not only what we would like to be freed from, but also what we would rather not be freed from, released from. You can call Jesus your Savior over and over again, and you can boast of him in words, in other words, as the catechism says, but in the meantime, not want him to free you from certain things in your life, certain sins that you would rather hang on to. And then, in fact, though you boast of him in words, you will not find in him everything necessary for your salvation. So, back to the question earlier on, what do you actually want Jesus to save you from? And what do you not want to be delivered from? And that last question, if we want to be frank with ourselves and toward Jesus, belongs with the first one, right? What do we not want to be released from? We read from Matthew 19 about this young man who wanted Jesus to help him and, and even to deliver him. He wanted to be delivered from uncertainty and doubt whether or not he would enter the kingdom of heaven. From the question of whether he was good enough to enter the kingdom. But when he went to Jesus with his request, he also bumped into something he want, did not want to be delivered from. 
saved from. And that was his love of money. He didn't want to give what he had to the poor to follow Jesus because he loved his wealth too much. And then we have to, we should look at ourselves in the light of that rich young ruler. Do we have things in our lives that we'd rather not give up? Things in our lives which aren't right but which we'd rather Jesus didn't take away from us, save us from. When you think of what Lord's Day 11 says in this light, I I think that what we confess in it becomes more real, more every day, right? We need to seek our whole salvation and well-being in Jesus the Savior alone. That's what we confess, Lord's Day 11. And I think maybe you've been given the picture before of somebody who ended up in a deep, deep pit sinking into the mud at the bottom of that pit And then the Savior comes and lets down a rope for you, or better yet, climbs down himself and draws you up and brings you into the open air again. What a relief. How good it is to know that Jesus saves. Until you consider the mud we were sinking in at the bottom of that pit. What if that mud you were sinking in is your possessions, your money? Or something else that you find your well-being and happiness in at this time? Or what if it is anger towards someone which you cherish because it makes you feel better about yourself if you can feel angry at someone? Do you still want to be saved then? Also from those things. Jesus is Jesus Because he saves us from all our sins, we confess. What do we really mean when we we say that? What do we mean? What are those sins? All those sins that he saves us from. We have to, each of us has to think about that, right? We can't do that for somebody else. Each of us has to examine themselves. For example, imagine that you realize that you lie very easily. Before you know it, right, you come up with a lie to save face maybe or to help you out of a nasty situation. You you don't tell the truth. Usually that works okay as long as you don't make the lie too big. And if you don't get any bad result because of that lying that you do for a, for a time, it, it easily becomes part of your life. You can use it. It's easy, gives good result, and God's judgment is far away yet. But then Jesus comes here to you in this confession, in the scripture reading today, And he says to you, don't be afraid. I'm Jesus, your Savior. You seek your complete salvation and well-being in me, right? Well, what do you want me to save you from, to free you from? Just give it to me. And there you stand with your lies, your inclination to lie. And do you really want to get rid of that? Lying spirit. 
Do you want Jesus to save you from your lies and your tendency to tell, the un- to tell untruths? So that you don't lie in the future anymore to save face or soul? Because if you still want the option to tell a lie or two to make yourself look good, that would mean that you actually don't want Jesus to save you from your lies. Right? And that's why that double question, what do you want Jesus to save you from? What don't you want him to take away? Think of your sins, your personal sins, the ones you you do and maybe even cherish, but you know you can't answer to God for. So far that example, to show that confessing that Jesus saves might mean that you have to let him save you, not just from generalities, the sin in general, but from real things that you do in your life, your daily life. So you realize that confessing Jesus can reach deeply into your life, right? Let me give another example. You notice that you're not watching your cable TV in a good way. You spend way too much time watching the thing. Maybe you don't even feel like joining a Bible study because you want to keep watching it. You don't want to miss anything. And you also take in things that are not good for you, like programs that show husbands and wives accusing each other of adultery and so on. Maybe even porn shows available on cable. Thankfully, it still bothers your conscience. So when Jesus comes and says, don't be afraid, what do you want me to help you with? What do you want to be saved from in your life? What sins? You know what your request is going to be, right? You say, Lord, deliver me from my weakness. Teach me not to waste so much of my time in front of the the tube. And do not... and, and." Help me not to watch those programs and shows which are so destructive and dulls the senses to godly morals. But then the Lord Jesus says to you, and maybe you already thought about it too, the Lord Jesus says to you, if you want to be perfect, throw your television away and come and follow me. Put your time into more edifying and enlightening things. And what would you do then? Would you be like that young man who came to him in Matthew 19? Would you go away sorrowful because there's so many shows and programs that you still don't want to miss? Things that you, you shouldn't be watching but you still want to see? Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, there's just an example. So don't focus on the example itself but on the issue of how you seek your salvation and well-being in Jesus Christ alone. We have to think concretely about that. What do you want Jesus to save you from? And what do you not want him to save you from? Do we really want to be delivered from our bad temper our combativeness with other people, our slothfulness, our self-righteousness, our manipulations, 
our slandering, our deceptions, our lack of self-control, our envy, our love of money, etc., etc. Do we really want to be saved from those things? Or do we actually not really actually want to be delivered from those kind of things yet? Lord, deliver me from my combativeness except when I have to deal with this person. Lord, save me from my lies except when I make out my taxes. Lord, deliver me from my anger, but please keep that person away from me because they make my temperature rise. See, the, the more we actually ask ourselves those kind of questions, the more we realize that the pit in which we are going under in that image I mentioned before, that pit we're going under in isn't just a pit with mud or quicksand itself at the bottoms, generalities. No, it's full of all kinds of junk that we deal with in ourselves and in our daily life. All kinds of things which want to drag us down and actually destroy us. And the only way we can be saved from them if Jesus draws us up out of that junk. But he's not going to draw us up out of that junk if we're going to keep hanging on to that stuff down there in that pit. We have to let him pull us away from it all. We have to let it go too so that we leave it behind if we really want him to save us. If we really want to seek our salvation and well-being not in ourselves or anywhere else, but only in him. If Jesus asks, what do you actually want me to save you from? then we have to be ready and willing to give up whatever hinders us from becoming like him, right? Ready and willing to give it up. We need to be ready to let him strip us naked so that we may become fully clothed with his righteousness and salvation. Again, congregation, what do you want Jesus to save you from, to deliver you from personally. And think about it. Are there any, is there anything that you don't want him to deliver you from, at least at this time? You want to hang on to that, even though you know it's wrong. We all have to think about it, right? It's no good to look at other people here That person over there or that one there, I hope they're listening. No, no, it's yourself. Think about yourself. You know, read read the plural in question 30 of Lord's Day 11 in the first person, in other words. Do I believe the only Savior, Jesus, if I seek my salvation or well-being in myself or, or in something else or someone else? No, the answer is, though I boast of him in words... I, in fact, indeed then, would be denying the only Savior, Jesus. And congregation, thinking about question and answer 30 that way would keep us busy with our own lives, wouldn't it? We wouldn't be busy with other people's lives, with ourselves. 
Well, you realize that this Lord's Day, and we read also Article 22 of the Belgian Confession, they were formulated in particular in the 16th century against the teachings of Rome, which, besides Jesus, promotes seeking the help and merits of saints. But this, this is not just about Rome. This is not about Rome. We're not looking down at Rome. It's, this is about you and me in particular. As we sit here in church today and go about our lives again this new week, it's about asking yourself those questions again and again. What does Jesus need to save me from? And what don't I want him to touch in my life? Ask yourself those questions and then Lord's Day 11 becomes relevant, right? Becomes very relevant. The more you apply those questions to your life, the more they become real and the more they, they constrict your throat. You know, you feel it. Tightness. Which concrete sins in my life do I really want Jesus to deliver me from? And which sins do I actually cherish so much that I want to keep them in a hidden part of my life, hidden as far away as possible from him? Lord, I, still, I realize I still have so many of those sins which are hard for me to let go. And if I have so many, who then can be saved? Congregation, the gospel of Jesus, Savior, is truly sharp. For we only let Jesus take away some of our sins when we're almost under the muck in that pit I mentioned before. We can hardly catch our breath anymore. Just about expired. Only let the Lord take those cherished sins away after he has grabbed us hard and torn us away from them. We've so accepted some of them in our life that he has to peel our fingers away from them. We only give some of them up kicking and screaming, so to speak. And that's why we have to think about those questions. What, am I, what do I really want to give up for Jesus? What do I have a hard time letting go of? What would I rather not want to give up for the Savior, Jesus? Think about that second question in particular, congregation. Because whatever bad stuff, whatever junk we're inclined not to want to give up, that is in particular what has to go. Our Savior is working at peeling that away from us too. Because his name is Jesus, Savior. He wants to save us from all our sins. And not just in the future, now too. Now already. And what's impossible for us is possible with him. Possible with God. And you see that impossible possibility in Jesus Christ himself. He had glory with God. We sang about that, hymn 23. He was willing to let it all go for us. Gave up everything for us. Gave up the glory he had with the Father to become lowly, mortal man. 
servant, cursed even, gave up his freedom and his life on the cross for us, that accursed cross. And he rose again from the dead for us. He went through the eye of a needle for us, we could say. And he took us with him through that eye of the needle, as it were. He wants to take us with him. What's impossible for us is possible with God. He saves us from all our sins. He says to us now already, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What sins do you want to get rid of? What burden in your life can I take over from you, he says. What can I save you from? Give it all to me. So the question remains for each one of us. Again, what do you want Jesus to save you from? And which things in your life do you want to hang on to yet? And maybe only think, well, I might want to get rid of them later. Ask yourself those questions as you look at him. As, as you look at him as he hung there on that cross for you. Naked. Had to give up everything. Laden with the full burden of all your sins. Because only by looking at him, focusing on him like that, will you be able to let go of those sins which want to drag you to your destruction. But you need to keep looking at him. Only by remembering him like that will you be willing to also look at yourself and let go of those sins which you cherish and which you have accepted in your life. Give them to Jesus. His name is Jesus, which means Savior, because he saves from all our sins. And through the gospel, his spirit speaks to you again today here and says, what do you want me to save you from in your life? Give it to me. That's what he says here this afternoon too. What are you going to say to him? What will you do? Amen.